The following AGIO-supported podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please speak with your healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. Our guests Jill Welly and Nathan Thompson were paid to participate in this podcast. What's up, listeners? My name is Dr. Amar Zaidi, and I'm the Medical Director of Clinical Development at AGIO's Pharmaceuticals. And I'm Dr. Mike Callahan, also Medical Director of Clinical Development at Agios Pharmaceuticals. Welcome to Just Listen, Voices of PK Deficiency. All right, before we get too deep into this podcast episode, I want to remind you guys to follow us in your favorite podcast app if you haven't already. More importantly, though, I want you to make sure you're going to share this show with members of the PK Deficiency community and anyone who you think might benefit from and enjoy it. Of course, if you want to learn more about PK deficiency and see resources that Agios Pharmaceuticals has developed to support those people impacted by this rare disease, visit nopkdeficiency.com. That's K-N-O-W-P-K-Deficiency.com. Today, we want to take you on a journey, a journey through the eyes of two very special patients. You're going to meet Jill Welly and Nathan Thompson. Both of these special individuals have been living with PK deficiency. They understand what you might be going through because they've lived it. You know, in this first episode, we really felt that it was going to be important to hear from the people who live every single day with PK deficiency because it never stops. They don't get breaks. There's no off days. This is a constant ongoing struggle of resilience and persistence. So I'd like to introduce you to Jill Welly. Jill not only lives with PK deficiency, but she's also an active and contributing member of the PKD community. I'd like to introduce you to Nathan Thompson. Nathan is a husband, father, and active gamer. He credits the bonds of friendship that has kept him going through this ordeal. Hi, my name is uh, Jill Welly, and I've been living with PKD for 60 years. And it really affected my life in terms of well, physically feeling tired and exhausted and, and plowing through that every day. But also it's been scary because I've been navigating through this for a long time without knowledge. My name's Nathan Thompson and I deal with PK every minute of every day. PK has been a struggle for me my whole life uh, from feeling tired most of when I was younger to a splenectomy and then ultimately a kidney and liver transplant. Also, it created a kind of an awareness and defining more about who I am and the strength that has given me to live with this disease and still try to live a normal life, uh, which presents its own challenges, but it impacts me every day, certainly does. and. It really has made me more aware, you know, not only just general as a human being, but aware of my own uniqueness. I don't think that there has been a lot of contact between patients in the PK community in the past. And now with uh, the interconnectivity of the internet and people being able to really connect across the entire world, we're able to kind of come together and share stories. I think it's uh, valuable to share your experiences. And I think it's uh, important that people have a community and some sort of tribe, you know, some sense of uh, belonging and uh, having 
a rare disease can feel alienating. PKD stems from an enzyme missing in the red blood cells, and therefore um, they break down at a really high rate. Typically, a blood cell will live for 120 days. With PKD, it breaks down about every 10 to 14 days, sometimes quicker. It's called hemolysis, hemolyzing. And with that, it wreaks a lot of havoc on your body. Um, it creates high bilirubin. Your liver's not able to keep up with that filtering and processing of the destroying blood cells. Oxygen levels are low in the blood, which is hemoglobin. And as a result, your heart has to work much quicker to get that oxygen flowing um, through the system. I like to tell people I get kind of tired pretty easily and that my blood, red blood cells don't really work super great. Uh, and so I get winded and, and they're just kind of not really uh, push me too hard because I'll, I'll run out of steam before the end of the day. A lot of the symptoms I dealt with happened in my teenage years. Spleen enlargement, so my spleen was removed. Uh, six months later, I was around 14, 15 at, at the time, gallstones uh, were removed. In my mid-40s, I dealt with um, osteoporosis. Bone marrow um, is impacted and it impacts the strength of your bones and so I went through about 10 years of three different treatments to get bone stabilization. I guess my first major surgery would have been a uh, splenectomy that I had when I was like 2006 and that you know that slowed me down for a little bit but I bounced back pretty pretty well and I did did pretty good but I had uncontrolled uh, iron overload which resulted in uh, full-blown liver and kidney failure um, Christmas Eve uh, six years ago. I got life-lighted out to a transplant hospital and I was on dialysis. I had to be resuscitated a number of times. That, you know, all of that was pretty uh, out of my hands. Um, and it took a long time to recover. I wasn't diagnosed until I was 10 years old, but at 18 months old, I, I was in a playpen with my twin sister and my, my dad's dad, my grandpa, said there's, there's something wrong with Jill. She's laying there lifeless. My twin sister's name is Joy. She was kicking around and playing. And I, um, I was described as like a wax candle, right? There, there was no movement. Well, I was hemolyzing. Um, they brought me into the local hospital. I grew up in a town of less than 100 people. And the nearest hospital was about 20 minutes away. My my veins were so collapsed, they couldn't do anything to get a blood transfusion. So they, and I still today, <laughs> have um, scars that cut my ankles open to transfuse the blood. But also said, if they waited, would have waited another hour, I would have died from this. Uh, my hemoglobin was way under three. There was, there was nothing, right? And I think that contrast of my grandfather finding me in that playpen with my twin saved my life. Um, if, if that twin would have not been there, they probably just thought I was sleeping, right? That I was just whatever. So I just came to that realization that, you know, the, the, the being the twin has saved me in a lot of different ways and it literally saved my life. Fast forward today as an adult, um, and plus getting older, I just struggle with being tired. 
and uh, headaches. I call it my anemic headaches. It's not only just the regular stress of daily life. I still work and and uh, still do daily activities. And by the end of the day, I'm I'm tired. And there are some days I just have to take a break and rest. But managing energy levels is probably the biggest struggle for me. I really have figured out how to gauge my energy level and how to make it last throughout the day. I like to think of it as like I've only got so many steps in me. And uh, throughout the day, I'm kind of watching what that meter is doing, you know, seeing how, how low I'm getting and gauging how close to the end of the day it is and seeing if I need to take a nap to, to refill. But in my, you know, in my younger years, I'd just run and run and run and run and run until I was exhausted. And then um, I, I just didn't know how to really manage that as well. And now I, now I can get through the day just by being cautious and slow sometimes. I have a son who's in his late 30s. He's got a couple, couple children, so I have a couple grand, a grandson and a granddaughter. They called me yesterday to see if I was available to watch the kids for a couple hours, and it's one of the first times I said, no, I'm too exhausted. I don't have the energy to run after a one-year-old and a four-year-old, and it breaks my heart. I want to have that energy to be and play with the grandkids, and some days I just, I can't. I don't have it. So it's really paying attention to my body and my self-care and being selfish about what I need and not the needs of others. And I'm not always used to doing that. When I was younger in school, it was really difficult to keep up with everybody and it was upsetting. It was, it's hard to feel less than and then to have other people judge and grade your performance regardless of any condition you may have to be held up to the same standards as everybody when you physically are not able to was very hard to deal with. One of my most vivid memories uh, is when I was a lot younger, the teachers apparently had gotten together and were talking about me and they pulled me aside, pulled me out of class and pulled me aside and um, and were really concerned about my color. And I was like, well, well, it's jaundice. It's this thing I have. And they're like, well, we don't know. And they, they were holding up like a manila envelope underneath my chin because they thought the fluorescent lights were reflecting my shirt color back onto my face. It was really weird and I, re I was like really confused and I thought that they should have been maybe a little bit more prepared for me showing up yellow. But as a kid, I, I mean, it, it gave me the tools to handle those kind of strange and scary conversations pretty quick. I uh, having to rely on myself to explain to adults what was going on with me was uh, give me some skills I think I've learned to use better in life. It was hard, especially as a child, because that's when your, your self-esteem and your development starts. And, you know, kids can be cruel. They still are today, and they were 56 years ago. I have um, four other siblings, and we're all very close in age. And when uh, uh, my parents would be at a gathering and all the children would be there. The first thing somebody would say, okay, which one's a sick one, right? I was labeled as the sick, weak child my whole life, pretty much, through all the way up till I was 18. Um, and living through that during my childhood years, especially in the formative years, when you're really building your self-esteem, defining who you are, it was difficult. The town I grew up in was, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, tough people here. I, I didn't quite meet 
that standard. And so uh, I, I gained a love of books and things like that, uh, of technology. And so I found a refuge in that, and that made made you know things a lot more bearable. Um, but it was really tough growing up. It was really really hard. I, I struggled quite a bit. I dealt with a lot of self-esteem issues, and as a, an adult, I clocked a lot of therapy <laughs> to really deal with why I'm making decisions and why I'm making them, and um, really coming to the point of what does Jill need and not really becoming codependent on other people's thoughts and owning my own, my own self. And, you know, having this blood disorder, it's hard, like I said, it's hard enough when you're, you're building, building that, that self-confidence as a child, but living with a rare blood disorder and standing out in a crowd or not being able to um, participate because of the limitations. I couldn't, you know, run, do the, the physical education activities, but I was forced to, right? So there were no passes at the time um, to get out of physical education. And I just remember we had to run a mile to get to the football field and then run around the football field a couple of times and run a mile back. And I barely could run a block, right? And everybody had to wait for Jill. I have to stop and wait for Jill. And it just, I'm a competitive spirit. I wanted to fit in and it just, I just stuck out. As I grew older, um, I kind of lost touch with my friends, but I was really busy just with uh, uh, being a father. And that was, was really hard. I, I felt like I had a lot of responsibilities and it was hard to meet the demands of, uh, of fatherhood and, and, and being a husband and and also balancing not feeling great all the time and explaining to my family sometimes things um, didn't always work out because I didn't feel the greatest and that was that was a bummer but I also you know at that time I kind of used those skills that I had from when I was younger to just embrace the things that I have and the things that I can do and the things that um, make me feel happy and to really focus on those and uh, and I, I, it's worked out well I, I've uh, really tried to be uh, positive and, and, uh, and happy and try to spread joy to others and that really brings me a personal sense of satisfaction and, and happiness is making other people laugh and I guess that's just how I am now I you know I do get kind of bummed out that life isn't perfect but I uh, have a lot of perfect things in my life you know there's a lot of things in my life that are great and neat and fun there's also things that aren't so great but that's okay too and now, a word from our sponsor, Agios Pharmaceuticals. At Agios, we're passionately committed to transforming the lives of patients with genetically defined diseases, including pyruvate kinase disease. We're proud of our innovative investigational therapies and our focus on accelerating and expanding our genetically defined disease portfolio. This provides Agios with the resources required to optimize the development of our promising investigational therapies and ultimately enables the greatest overall positive impact for people battling these conditions. The patients and families who are counting on us need extraordinary science, and they also need people with extraordinary hearts. At Agios, we have both. Our work to discover and deliver new medicines is personal. To learn more about PK Deficiency, visit nopkdeficiency.com.
I do have four grandchildren. My youngest son and his wife had twins, little girls about three months ago. And um, fortunately, they're not crawling around yet. Um, I'm gonna be seeing them on Friday morning. And um, they are just a delight. Um, I'm a twin myself. So having my son have twins is so special. I see them and I see my twin sister and I in these twins who are very fraternal, we're very different looking. And so are my twin granddaughters. So they're gonna be unique in their own way. And um, I'm excited to share that experience of being a twin and how to still keep your uniqueness, but have fun being a twin too and what that means. I'm already talking to them about it. If they understand it or not, they're getting my advice. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, uh, I've tried really hard my entire life to be positive about things. You know, uh, being, being handed a diagnosis of a PK at, at, you know, from my birth, I, you know, I, I figured I could go one of two ways. Either I could be a really negative, sour, upset person and, and resent everything, or, um, I could try as hard as I could to uh, be positive and to use the, the things I've gone through to strengthen myself and, and not to look at things that are, uh, are bad as necessarily, uh, you know, to really try to, try to find the, the lighter side of things and to um, maybe use those experiences to, to deal with the future problems. You know, and, and it's really made me grateful to, to I mean, the, the things I've gone through have been, some of the things have been not awesome, but I'm grateful to have gone through them because it's made me who I am today. And, uh, and uh, I feel, you know, I feel like I'm in a really better place because of that stuff. I'm always thinking in terms of gratitude, being grateful for what I do have versus what I don't have. I'm grateful when I am now communicating with other PKD people that I'm not transfusion dependent. I'm grateful that I can run at an eight and a half, nine hemoglobin and live a decent life and that it could be worse, right? It could be worse. I'm grateful when I sit in the oncology area every uh, eight to 12 weeks doing phlebotomies for my iron overload, that I'm not, I'm sitting there looking at people around me that I am not fighting for my life for cancer, right? So it's about perspective. And those, that gratitude are those little daily small victories for me. The science behind what goes on in our body with PK has never been better. We know more about it now than we ever did. But there's there's stuff out there to help people who struggle with the side effects of PK, people who have to have transfusions all the time. I know that doctors have made a lot of medical advances, and, and I know that PK is, feels like it's getting more of a spotlight. Um, it feels like it's gotten a lot more attention now in the last maybe two or three years. You know, um, I ran across the community of um, known PKD. Uh, occasionally, I'll just go out and Google what's going on with PKD, what's going on with research. Haven't done it in a long time. And earlier this year, I Googled it. Of course, what happens when you do that? You get the cookies thing come up, and I'm on my Facebook, and this known PKD pulls up. I'm like, what is this? And then I went down the rabbit hole. And 
started, it opened up a world for me to look at, talk, see other people online that are dealing with PKD. I have been through this and had never met anybody with PKD until recently, or known anybody that had it for 60 years. So it's like, wow, there's other people out there like me and what is their experience? What's, what's their story? There's a lot of people who are in touch with each other and 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 from that community comes a lot of power and an empowerment. You know, we we uh, united. We're you know stronger. It's just it's just how it works. I, th I think it's important knowing that if you struggle with PK, um, that that you find ways to manage that struggle. You find tools through it. You know, as you get older, um, and I assume as your children get older and you're dealing with their struggles, you find ways to manage their struggles too, and you manage your struggles with their struggles. I think, uh, you know, we're all kind of hardened by fire. I pray we all come out stronger. I know I know, I have come out a lot stronger. I started um, engaging in the in the social media chats, started to get to know these people. And and then I started, I told my story to, to Agios. I've been involved in webinars. Um, and coincidentally, which is just the smallest world, and my world has always been small. Another gal that um, is involved with social media and telling her story, uh, her PKD story, actually lives 10 minutes from my house. And we met for lunch a couple weeks ago. And to sit across the table from her and to see her, I just felt like I had a PKD soul sister. It's like, really, this is happening. It was so cool because we, you know, our color of our skin, the color of our eyes, um, her story and our stories, are, our stories are very similar. And the support was amazing. When I left that lunch meeting with her, I just looked at her and I said, you know, if I had to sift all this down, I just feel less scared. I've got support. I have you to talk to. I've got a world of PKD people on social media. People with PK are kind of coming together and talking about it and um, figuring stuff out uh, and having shared experiences. For me, that really lessens the burden, knowing that other people are struggling with the same things that I'm struggling with. It makes me feel a little less isolated or alone um, to know that, that I'm not the only person going through this and people have gotten through it before and I'll get through it too. I'm meeting friends that have PKD uh, and I'm also seeing um, and talking to caregivers, parents that have children with PKD. Uh, a couple weeks ago, one showed up on social media, a gal out of Montana has got a five-year-old girl and she's talking about her little girl and how she's navigating through this and what she's doing to take care of her. And I just told her, I said, I wish you were my mommy when I was a little girl. That's exactly what I needed because I didn't have that. And she brought her daughter on the screen and I saw her and I felt so overwhelmed with emotion because all I saw when I saw that little girl was me. I saw me as a five-year-old child in pain, in hurt, in, oh my God, I want to hug you and tell you this is going to be okay. You have more resources, you have more support, there's more research out there about it, there's more awareness. This is going to be okay. And you don't have to be scared anymore, right? You know, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm talking back to myself, but I'm also communicating to her and saying, 
you're fine. Your daughter's gonna be fine. And we're here to support you. So I think awareness is the key and that you don't feel like you're doing this alone. Hearing for me, hearing other people's stories is provides that, that strength and support, knowing that I don't need to be scared anymore, that I do have um, resources, I do have um, people um, from a patient care support, uh, educating and having data now to talk to my doctor about it. If I feel like I'm having a bad day or I don't know what's going on with me physically, hey, do you guys experience these symptoms? What, what, um, what can we do? I think that is amazing. And the more that people are aware of P what PKD is, I think there's gonna be more acceptance, more understanding, and I think knowledge is key. Dr. Mike, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the red blood cell. Over the last many years as a hematologist, I've learned a lot from you. I learned a lot sort of being around patients that have diseases that affect the red blood cell. I'm always amazed by what a marvel the red blood cell truly is. Yeah, you know I love me some red blood cells too, Dr. Z. And, you know, I think people think of them as just these little bags of hemoglobin, but there's so many things going on in there. And they're really complicated machinery. They're interacting with their environment. They're telling blood vessels what to do. And there's so many things that have to go right for that to work. And I think PK deficiency is one of those examples where you can have a tweak in your genetics makes a difference in this enzyme that helps makes energy for your red blood cells. And now you got a big problem. Your red blood cells are breaking down easily. You're anemic, you're tired, you're jaundiced. It's such a, such a burden to have a disease like that. And it's really just this genetic mutation causing it all. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited that there are resources out there now that this rare disease community is coming together and that we're getting to hear things like patient stories about living with this disease and maybe information about the disease and advocacy and things you can do. I totally agree with you, Dr. C. I, I think that knowing that we are in a position where we can help amplify the voices of patients forgotten with PKD, we can share their stories to a more broad audience, we can get some awareness out there, um, brings me joy. It brings me joy. I think in more ways than one, we're going to bring energy to PKD very literally and, and very figuratively as we navigate through this podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to these Just Listen Voices of PK Deficiency podcast. I love hearing patient stories and learning more about PK deficiency. Well, thanks for listening to Just Listen Voices of PK Deficiency. And listen, don't forget to hit that follow button in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Share this show with members of the PKD community that you may know. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about PK deficiency, come learn it from the experts. Come see the resources that Agios Pharmaceuticals has developed to support people that are impacted by PK deficiency. Visit nopkdeficiency.com. That's K-N-O-W-P-K deficiency. Thanks for listening. And we really look forward to talking with you again very, very soon. Peace.